We must be aware of those around us who do not know or understand what the grace of God is. If we are Christian or Christ followers, we know. Now, we're going to talk about that in Acts chapter 16 today. It's going to be very, very good. We'll do that in about two minutes. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembrick. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV, taking you through the Bible in one year. Corey and Ryan are also here. Corey? An interesting sign that happens in Acts chapter 16 is what we're going to talk about today. Ryan? Well, today my focus is on Acts 17, 26, which reminds us that we are all sons and daughters of Adam and Eve and are therefore of one blood. Very good. Look forward to that. And also, Janice, what are we doing? Today, the remarkable plans of God. All right. Take your Bible guide out. Turn to today's passage. If you don't know how to get one, stay there. We'll show you how you can get one or tell you how you can get one. We're going to look at Acts chapter 16. So let's open it up and open up the Bible, the most important book of all, and listen to what God said. Acts 16, 1 through 10. Then he came to Derbe and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go on with him, And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 10. Acts chapter 16 and 17 is what we read today. These are fascinating stories. Now, Timothy was an exceptional young man. Paul saw him and the potential in him to become a true and faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul met Timothy on a second missionary journey that he was embarked on after his split with Barnabas. They met when Paul and Silas were teaching in Lystra and Iconium, cities that Paul had previously spent much time in. Well, the Christians there spoke well of a man named Timothy, who had a faithful Christian mother and a grandmother. Timothy's mother was a Jew and his father was a Gentile. And we learned that because of this, he did not grow up in strict observation of the Jewish law. As Paul was training Timothy to become a Christian leader, Paul did something strange that he would have to qualify or explain. He had Timothy circumcised. Now, that's interesting because that's a Jewish event. 
Paul had to be very clear that this was not because of circumcision that was required for salvation, but rather it was the case to be helpful for Timothy to have access to the Jewish audience. Here we see that we need to avoid strict legalism one way or another. Now, I, I tell you, Timothy is an amazing man. He shows up in many ways. And uh, I would encourage you to take your Bible guide and turn to today's passage as we look at a new disciple, a new Christian disciple. What does that mean? And Paul, the former Pharisee who was actually killing Christians, who came to know the Lord because he met Christ, is meeting him and talking to him. And so when we take our Bible guide, we turn to the Bible. And if you don't have a Bible guide, write or call us or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. There you can click on the Bible guide. It'll take you to a place where you can order it just like we have it printed. And uh, you can take it and, and uh, enjoy it right away. So you're seconds away from joining us. Now, as we focus on this, let's pray. Father, help us today as we study this and look at it to hear your Holy Spirit, to hear how you teach us, because we need to understand what you're doing so that we can understand how you're working with us. Show us your ways. Teach us your paths. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen. Now, let's look at this, because if we focus on this carefully, we'll hear something that perhaps we have not heard before. Acts chapter 16. Verse one says this. Then he came to Derby and Lystra or Lustra, Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy. He was the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Now Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region. For they all knew that his father was Greek. Now, this is amazing. We must be aware of those who do not know God's grace around us. There are many. Our lives are not about us, what we can get away with. But our lives are here to serve and honor God. Beloved, when we come to Jesus Christ and give our life to him, that's exactly what we do. We give our life to the Lord. So we don't live for ourselves to get our own desires fulfilled any longer. We live to hear God and we live to understand what Jesus Christ desires of us. Now, that's a really important point that we need to hear today. There's a lot of people getting saved for the wrong reason. And then when the Lord begins to work on their lives, they have all kinds of problems. But if we come to the Lord and give our lives to him, well, that's good. That's good. Well, let's read on because this is interesting. 16 verse 4. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem. Acts 15. That's interesting. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. You see, Paul was consistent with the instructions he had been given in Jerusalem. 
We should not promote our own ideas when we teach, but the truth of God. Now, this program is a program about the word of God. Now, there's things that I do not believe should be right, but it's not does not mean I believe what I believe is right. It means that I have to get with God and his word, which is the word. And I have to listen to what it says from all of the the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and try to communicate that. And I would suggest to you that you consider it and that you ask the Holy Spirit about what I say and about what everybody says about the word. Does it jive? Does it work? Does it mandate what God is trying to tell us? Very important. All right, let's read on because this is fascinating. Now, Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Now, when they had gone through Phydra and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithia, but the Spirit of the Lord did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Traos. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and a man of Macedonia stood pleading with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. The third point, very important. Let's keep an eye on this now. The Macedonian call came to Paul in Traos because he was stopped by the Holy Spirit. You see, Paul was stopped by the Holy Spirit. There are times when our plans will be changed by the Holy Spirit according to his purposes, according to the purposes of God. Now, beloved, I know that some people don't understand this, but I was, I grew up with my father and my father followed the Lord and he went, he many times, we moved at least 21 times growing up. We moved a lot. And a lot of people say, well, boy, that was bad. Your dad did this. And that was, well, many times we moved because the Lord had cued us. Go here. Now go there. Now go here. And you know, the Lord has given us the ability as we obeyed him to know where people are at. Now, that's not something anybody can do, but that's something the Lord did. So Whatever it is in your background, however it is you've grown up, whatever you've done, maybe God kept you in one place. Remember, God will use everything in your life to direct you to what your plan is because there is not a person on this world who God does not have divine plans for. Some will choose not to take him as faith and I, I, I ask you not to do that. I ask you to choose the Lord Jesus as, as God. But the ones who do know they have a plan and God has that plan inside of us. He's built inside of us the ability to fulfill what he's called us to do. Hi, Rod Hembry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right. On your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there.
Okay, so as I said at the beginning of the program, today my focus is on Acts chapter 17, verse 26, which says that God has made from one blood every nation of man. Now, this, of course, refers to the fact that we all are descendants of Adam and Eve. And, you know, the Bible makes a lot of claims which completely contradict current mainstream ideas, and this is one of them. To many, including a growing number of Christians, the claim that the entire human race descended from only one man and one woman is ridiculous. To them, it seems impossible. But the fact is that the field of genetics, when properly applied, can not only substantiate the Bible's claim that Adam and Eve were the first man and woman, but it can even give us some idea of what they would have looked like. Check it out. Right from the very beginning, the Bible makes highly significant claims which are often mocked in today's world, where evolution is considered the only truth. For example, contrary to evolutionary ideas, the Bible teaches that the entire human race descended from only one man and one woman, both of them specially created by God. And because all humans are of one blood, it means that there are no races, only the human race. Of course, due to evolutionary philosophy, Adam and Eve are largely considered to be mythological, even by a growing number of professing Christians. For example, one of the claims made is that it is genetically impossible that the entire human race descended from just two people. But one's final conclusions are a direct result of one's starting assumptions. Indeed, when the false evolutionary presuppositions are rejected in favor of biblical presuppositions, a totally different picture emerges. The fact is, not only could the genetic variation among people today have easily been carried within two people, but several creation scientists believe that they actually have a better working model than the evolutionists do. Starting with biblical presuppositions as well as having a basic knowledge of genetics, also means that it's possible to get an idea of what Adam and Eve might have looked like. For instance, because all humans descended from these two, their gene pool needed to have the information available to produce all the variations in people we see today. This basic fact sets genetic boundaries on their appearance. As molecular geneticist Dr. Georgia Purdom explains, although Adam and Eve are often shown to be fair-skinned and blonde, this was unlikely. To derive all the different skin shades from one couple, Adam and Eve likely were middle brown in color. And of course, all humans have the same basic skin color, just different shades because of a brownish pigment called melanin. To put it simplistically, if we have a lot of this pigment, we're a very dark shade. If we don't have much of this pigment, then we're a very light shade. And so from two people having the right mix of dominant and recessive genes for the amount of melanin, all shades of brown in humans could arise. For the same reason, Adam and Eve probably had brown eyes and dark hair. Just as genetics helps verify the existence of our first parents, it's also confirmed what the Bible already proclaimed thousands of years prior. As children of Adam and Eve, we're all of one blood, and hence are one race. In fact, in the year 2000, after mapping the entire sequence of the human genome, the Human Genome Project announced to the world that there is only one race, the human race. That Adam and Eve were real human beings from whom the whole human race descended isn't now only a biblical and historical fact, but is also supported scientifically. As always turns out to be the case, the Bible, God's word, was right all along.
So as you can see, it's all about presuppositions. If you presuppose that evolution is true, then that will affect your outcome of your scientific model. But if you presuppose that the Bible is true, then that will be your outcome. In other words, if you put evolution in, then evolution is what's going to come out. On the other hand, if you put biblical ideas in, then that's what's going to come out. The problem is a lot of Christians don't understand this. They don't realize that the claims and conclusions of pop science are all based upon those scientists' evolutionary starting assumptions. So when secular scientists say that there's no evidence for a biblical Adam and Eve, it's because their presuppositions don't allow for it in the first place. As one secular scientist famously admitted, they cannot allow a divine foot in the door. But I, think, I thank the Lord for God-fearing scientists who accept Genesis as a true and factual record of history who have been working hard on biblically-based models that verify biblical claims. Of course, they're often painted as incompetent and not real scientists, but don't forget that most of the major fields of science were developed by creationists like Sir Isaac Newton and Johann Kepler. Now, I'm out of time for right now, but if you'd like to rewatch this video as well as other videos, then you can do that by heading over to my YouTube channel, which is just my name, Ryan Hembry. And you can also read the full articles on our website at uh, BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And there you'll find in the footnotes references which will also aid you in your studies. And let me just say that BibleDiscoveryTV.com is a great website to go to to get information. Uh, because there's a lot of information on there about what you've done, Corey, and about what you've done, Ryan, and all of that. And I would encourage you to check it out because it's really, really important. That's BibleDiscoveryTV.com. All right, Corey. <laughs> all right. Well, Acts 16. In Acts chapter 16, we read about a really interesting occurrence in the ancient city of Philippi, which was in Macedonia. Now, just for interest's sake here, Philippi was a Roman colony based on Roman veterans settling there in 42 BC. Now, this means that many Philippians were also Roman citizens, and the status as a Roman colony came with several perks for the city. So they had the right to an autonomous government, uh, being in Philippi was legally like being in Rome, and they were exempt from provincial taxes. Now, archaeologists have noted that the majority of the inscriptions found in Philippi are in Latin, the official language of Rome, which is comparatively unusual. So it looks like their Roman colony status was a point of pride for Philippi, which might be why Luke says that Philippi was a leading city of that district of Macedonia. He says that in Acts 16, verse 12. Philippi wasn't the capital of Macedonia. That title belonged to Thessalonica. So this description probably has to do with Philippi's wealth and social honor or reputation. We can also assume that there was not a significant Jewish population there because there's no synagogue for Paul to visit. Instead, he goes to the river outside of the city on the Sabbath, where he's likely been told that people gather for Jewish prayer. And there, what does he find? He finds a group of women. And after uh, the Bible recounts the conversion of the prominent woman, Lydia, it goes on to tell us that Paul made a habit then of going to that place of prayer by the river to speak. But... 
He's followed by a slave girl who's demon-possessed and tells the future for the profit of her owners. Now, our English translations normally just say that this girl had a spirit or had a demon, but the original Greek says she had a python spirit. Now, unless we know Roman or Greek history, this really means not a whole lot to us. So let's dig into it a bit. What should we take from this designation as a python spirit or a python demon? Well, it turns out that this has its root in the famous Oracle of Delphi. Now, in Greek mythology, the god Apollo was said to have slain a great snake or dragon that guarded the place that would become the deep cave of the Oracle of Delphi. Apollo earned himself the name Pythian Apollo. A virgin priestess would preside then as the Oracle, and she would be known as the Pythia. Ancient writers talk about how this priestess would be violently possessed by Apollo as she sat on a special tripod and she'd predict the future. The Pythia were largely seen as accurate predictors of the future. However, they were apparently known to give vague prophecies that could really mess with the inquirer's understanding. And receiving these oracles from the Pythia were uh, not the only ways that someone could participate in this cult of the oracle. There were other methods of divination, like drawing lots after offering a sacrifice. And these methods were much more economical for the average Joe because divination was, and not coincidentally, still is a pretty lucrative business. So. This slave girl in Philippi was being used by her owners to make a lot of money based on her demon possession that allowed her to give accurate future predictions and apparently to know things about people that she couldn't possibly know, right? She had supernatural insight. After all, her assessment of Paul and his companions was accurate. Now, this mirrors other accounts in the Gospels where demon-possessed people were able to identify Jesus as the Son of God. What I find interesting is Paul's reaction, right? First, he just ignores her, but eventually he casts the demon from her. And there's a lot of speculation around this. Was he compassionate? Was he angry? Was he afraid the gospel message would be misunderstood or worried that people would think it acceptable to receive information from a medium or psychic? Regardless, this account tells us with no uncertainty that Paul did not accept this spiritually inspired recognition. He rejected it so much that he cast the demon out. And it begs the question, why, doesn't it? The spirit was telling the truth after all. The scriptures are really clear on this topic. We are not to receive our information from spirits or demons. While they may sometimes tell the truth, demons and the devil are called God's enemy and our enemy. Messing with them, listening to them is not only ill-advised, it's actually dangerous. And it's one of the things that we need to remember today because there's a lot of people who still believe that they, they can tell the future yeah. or mm -hmm. they can see things and, and they position themselves of, of having a sense that nobody else has. Yeah. And that becomes a problem. It can be really, really uh, tricky ground and sticky ground that can really suck you in. But from all of the testimonies that I've heard of people who have come out of it, they say that it just leaves you wanting. It's one of those things where mm -hmm. it satisfies you in the moment, but then you need more and more and more. And it just uses you and 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 leaves yeah. you completely unfulfilled. It can yeah. be very intriguing, can't yes. it? Yeah. It can. And this today, I wanted to talk about the remarkable plans of God. And Corey has touched on a big part of this 
a section of Acts chapter 16. And really my bottom line for this segment is that God's plans may not be our plans, but his ways are always the best. Because we see this chapter opening up with Timothy joining Paul and Silas. They have the Macedonian call. Everything is set into place for them. And then we see... Um, as Corey had mentioned, that they went down to this uh, riverside where it was known that people gathered on the Sabbath for prayer. And it was here that Paul met Lydia. And this the scripture says, now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple. She worshiped God and the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And what happens this day is Lydia and her household become followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Through that, then, we meet this, this woman that Corey was talking about, who was full of this demon, and she kept crying out, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And she did this for many days, it says. And it says, Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. So now we've gone from Lydia and her household being saved because they went down to the river to pray. And here Lydia and her household comes. Now we have this girl and the people see it. And her her masters, those who owned her and made money from her, are ticked off. Because now their prophet is gone. And they throw uh, Paul and Silas into prison because of this. And you think, oh my goodness, Paul and Silas here. Now they're preaching. They're, they're doing a good thing. Now they're in prison. Oh my goodness, what could be going on? But we, we learn here that... At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So now you have evangelizing going on within the walls of the prison. And the Philippine Philippian jailer actually gives his heart to the Lord through this whole demonstration of Paul and Silas and their lives as a testimony to the Lord Jesus. And his entire household is saved. It says, and he took them the same hour of the night, washed of their stripes. This is Paul and Silas. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. And so my point in all of this is as we see these events unfolding, it might look to us just like, wow, isn't that something? But it is the plans of God. And as we walk in the spirit, as we follow the direction of the Lord, we may not understand what's going on at a spiritual level or even understand something that seems tragic or something that would seem so unfair. As we walk and as we make ourselves available to God, his plans are always the best plans and he can do that.
BibleDiscoveryTV.com is our website, and I want to encourage you, BibleDiscoveryTV, remember the TV.com. If you go there, you can watch the program, you can get resources, there's a lot of material written there. We put a lot of effort into it just to make sure you understand what God is saying. Now, I want to encourage you to go there and check it out. Let's pray today. Father, I pray that, that we would understand that you have directed our paths. Now. Help us to get on that path and stay on it. 